Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. Well, if I have some time later on in the hour, I, I want to talk a little bit about the impact of legalized gambling and how that will be seen from the viewpoint of sports parents and, of course, youth and amateur coaches. Uh, Clearly, this is a development that's going to shape the way in which we raise our kids in sports and how they need to be educated about gambling. But first up, over the course of my doing the show over over many years, I've assembled a, well, a pretty substantial library of books on sports in this country. Uh, Many of these works are are written by dedicated individuals who who share my passion and concern for what's happened to kids in sports. And many of these books are are excellent. The problem is, unfortunately, I just don't have enough time on the radio show to get a chance to talk about all the books. In fact, in many cases, I just tried to read them, and if I can, post a review on AskCoachWolf.com. But every so often, a book comes to me that is so different (laughs) that I feel compelled to talk about it on the show. And that's the case this morning. And once I tell you the title of the book and you hear me chuckling, you'll get a better idea of why I was intrigued. In short, it's a memoir by one of the most successful high school coaches and athletic directors in New York State history. Hank Roth spent several decades as an educator and coach in Westchester County, and his teams won all sorts of league and sectional championships in baseball and basketball during his 47-year span. Hank's been honored as the New York State Athletic Director of the Year, and just last year he was inducted into the New York Sports Hall of Fame as a coach and athletic administrator. Hank is now retired, but his memoir of coaching high school kids and dealing with parents is an absolute hoot. It's called, I'm not making this up, it's called Hemorrhoids at Halftime, an insider's view of high school athletics. And Hank joins me this morning. Hank, first and foremost, it's a pleasure to talk with you. When I first received your book, I had no idea about this title, but as I went through it, it all began to make sense to me, Hank. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Rick, and thanks for having me on the show. Well, of course. Uh, You know, as I said just a second ago, you have pretty much seen it all in, in your career as a coach and as an athletic director. In other words, you've seen how things have changed you know, a long time ago, a generation ago, ago, to where we are today with kids in sports. But before we get into the various things and how they've changed and how you had to, to you know, confront and deal with these issues, I have to ask, of course, as I'm sure my listeners are curious as well, how, how <laughs> this title, Hemorrhoids at Halftime, I guess as delicately as possible, can you explain how that story came about? 
Well, as I approach retirement, having spent, you know, this is more than 50 years in the profession, including 31 years as a head coach and 47 years as an AD, which you mentioned, uh-huh. I, I thought I had a lot of stories to tell, uh, some of them rather bizarre. So I decided to incorporate those stories into the various chapters in the book on the athlete, the coach, the AD, the parents, the officials. So as I'm really relating some of these stories to my good friend Steve Price, who's written a number of books, um, when I came to the one about the football official and the hemorrhoid attack, he said, I think you have a title for your book, <laughs> Hemorrhoids at Halftime. I said, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Let's, uh, let's go with that. So I guess you want to hear. Yeah, I'm afraid story. I have to ask <laughs> because it just you can't leave us hanging there. Uh, the benefit of our, 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 the listeners who have not had a chance to read the book yet, you've got to say, you know, tell what happened, as, again, as politely as possible. Okay. Well, it's a high school football game on a Saturday afternoon at Woodlands High School. I think it was in the late, 90, uh, late 70s or early 80s. And one of the veteran officials came up to me before the start of the game, and he said, uh, listen, Hank, uh, I just have to tell you, I may not be moving too well today because my hemorrhoids are killing me. And I said, <laughs> okay, well, thanks very much for sharing that with me. <laughs> well, around the end of the second quarter, uh, I hear this guttural moan, groan, and the official comes hobbling off the field and says, Hank, I can't continue. He says, my hemorrhoids are killing me. I says, is there a doctor, you know, that can, can, can help me? So I tell the doctor to take him over to the equipment shed, you know, uh, behind the far goalpost uh, where we keep all of our uh, uh, field equipment. And so there he goes. And now the end of the first half uh, comes to a close, and I hear this roar of the crowd. And I'm looking at the field. There's nothing happening on the field. So what's this all about? <laughs> well, the the... <laughs> the the door to the equipment shed swung came open and there's the official on his knees with his pants and his underwear down at his ankles and with his with his cheeks spread apart and the doctor's on his knees with a flashlight checking him out. <laughs> I, I was absolutely mortified. <laughs> so anyway, I had parents coming up to me, high fiving me. He said, Roth, he says, I've been to the Super Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Best halftime entertainment I've ever seen. <laughs> Another guy said, boy, that's creative, mooning the community. Good job. You know? <laughs> so that's really the, uh, the genesis or the, the origin of the... Well, uh, as, as the expression goes, you know, you, you can't make this stuff up. And, right. uh, you know, obviously a true story. And, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not that creative that you can make something like this up. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 you know, as I said, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, Hank, I get a lot of people have, have sent me books they've written or, or whatever articles, uh, and uh, I've, I've really put together uh, a fairly lengthy uh, library. But you know, most of the titles are pretty you know straightforward about sports parenting or, mm. or, or athletics today. But hemorrhoids at halftime caught my eye for sure. Yeah. As I'm going through your book, I'm thinking, well, Hank's you know very serious about what's happening in terms of how sports have changed and the. Uh, how, how you know we have helicopter parents now, and, and the pressures they put on ads and, and high school coaches and whatever, but it's all interspersed with these real life stories uh, that you've had to encounter over the years in, in, in the, as an athletic administrator and mm-hmm. an ad, and it's, it's just a, it's a very very entertaining read. Yeah, thank uh, and, you. And uh, you know, friends, I want to tell you by the way, this book, uh, Hemorrhoids at Halftime: uh, An Insider's View on, of High School Athletics. You can go and get a copy, obviously, uh, at Amazon or, or BNN.com or just go to your local Barnes & Noble store. Uh, but, Hank, let me, let me move on with this. Um, you know, these days, being athletic director means having to find and hire uh, qualified coaches uh, pretty much uh, each year. 
I assume over the years you've done a lot of this, and I'm sure you probably get plenty of resumes for the so-called more glamorous jobs like a head football coach or a head varsity basketball coach. But how tough is it for an AD to find, I don't know, uh, field hockey coaches for the JV or a coach for the wrestling team? Well, I, I think finding um, coaches for the modified teams and oftentimes for the JV coach can be, be very difficult. Because as you say, if, you, if you're looking for a head football, basketball, baseball coach, you'll probably have a goodly number of uh, uh, candidates from which to choose. But um, what's interesting, I think, is that just to give you a little historical perspective, when I started as an athletic director back in the early 70s, um, I would say that nearly 100% of the coaches came from the teaching ranks, you know, in, in the school district. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was great because they have the ability, if necessary, to interact with the, uh, with the, with the student-athletes, with uh, the teachers, with, with the school nurse uh, during the course of a day, whereas the outside coach comes in and they're hitting the field or the gym, you know, at 3 o'clock. Then Title IX came into fruition, you know, shortly thereafter. And even then, it wasn't that difficult, you know, to find coaches from the teaching rank. Because a lot of times the boys' varsity soccer coach would coach the girls' team. Likewise, with the boys' swimming coach, coach the girls' team because they were in different seasons. Same sure. with the tennis right. coach. But as time went on and, and a lot of the veteran coaches retired, there was a greater need, you know, to, uh, to find coaches, especially since the, uh, when the girls' program came into to fruition. I mean, your athletic program almost doubled overnight. So the state then um, decided to um, set up a certification program for laymen who were interested in, in, uh, in coaching, and it involved a, a three, three mandated courses uh, mandated by the state. I Actually, I taught one of those for about 16 years, but then coaches had to be certified in, in CPR, first aid, uh, had to be fingerprinted. Um, n- now they have to take courses uh, in uh, child abuse and violence prevention. I mean, those can be taken online, but it becomes it, it incurs uh, an expense, you know, to 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 a lot of those uh, prospective uh, coaches, and some of them choose uh, to coach a little league team or or a travel team or a uh, ASO soccer team because they don't have to go through the certification. Um, process. So it creates a dearth of, uh, of, of coaches in a lot of those sports, particularly at the modified and the JV level, you know, as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, it, it's uh, one thing you said, this is one of those changes that's taken place over the years. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, as you say, people who love to involve in, in getting in high school coaching, but once they confront the fact that, well, I need to get uh, be trained or certified in CPR and first aid and get myself fingerprinted for a background check. You know, all these things are paid for, not by the school, they're paid by, by, by the individual. Correct. And then people say, well, you know, then I'll just go and I'll volunteer, as you say, either my, in my local community or, or I'll just go put out a shingle and put up my own travel team or, mm-hmm. or club team. I don't have to go through that stuff. And I think that, that that's all part of this process. And, of course, the, the end result, Hank, is that it just it makes it more and more difficult, uh, you know, to find um, – you know, quality coaches who want who do have the time to want to go out. They may not be you know teachers at the school district, but coaches want to want to work you know and, and work with uh, with kids in high school. Uh, it isn't uncommon, by the way. You know, prior to the start of any of the uh, seasons, that uh, athletic directors will go online and post all, post their vacancies, and it, it's not, not unusual to find twenty five schools who are looking for for coaches. Sometimes multiple coaches, and uh, even through the, all their best efforts of uh, um, contacting local colleges, 
talking to other athletic directors, posting position in your school, posting position, you know, with uh, the Interscholastic Athletics Office. You come up maybe, if you're lucky, with one candidate, and maybe that candidate isn't the most experienced and may not also have the greatest expertise, but you're stuck. So what are you going to do? You, yeah. You're not going to drop the program. No. So, and actually, in my last year as an athletic director, I took on the assignment of coaching the girls' uh, JV tennis team because I couldn't find anybody else. And interestingly enough, I just learned, you know, the other day that one of our uh, athletic directors in one of the more affluent school districts in, in, in the county uh, is coaching the girls' varsity uh, lacrosse team because he couldn't find anybody else. Yeah, I think that's going more and more the norm, uh, and that, that is a concern, and it all sort of feeds into the problems we have today where, where parents are saying, well, there's not a – if the school doesn't have a real dedicated uh, lacrosse coach or, or – or, or, or coach for that particular sport, I'll take my kid and put him on a club team. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. We're talking this morning with Hank Roth, longtime uh, you know, varsity coach, very successful, and athletic director in Westchester County, author of a new book called Hemorrhoids at Halftime. Uh, when I come back from uh, Dave Uram's update, uh, we'll, of course, take your calls at one 337 6666 That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at Mohegan Sun. Dot com. Radio.com. Radio.com. And welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. I am Rick Wolf. My guest this morning is Hank Roth. Uh, he is the author of a new book, a very funny book, uh, called Hemorrhoids at Halftime, the, An Insider's View of high school athletics, and uh, yes, we're taking your calls at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Hank, uh, you know, I am. Um, <laughs> as I said, I, I I've been around high school sports and, and uh, college and pro sports for a long time, and I thought I had heard it all. But you know, the, the, one of the stories in the book you 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 relate is about a pitcher, who <laughs> 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 a pitcher who was obviously. Angry and uh, frustrated and disappointed, and he was being taken out of the game. And go, I mean, this, this, again, these all these stories are true in the book. So tell tell, tell our our listeners what happened with this kid in high school in high school game. Well, uh, actually, I was having lunch with an athletic director a couple of weeks ago. Before he came, the athletic director he coached baseball in Dutchess County. So he's telling me the story about removing a pitcher who he was wild, he was getting knocked around. So we went out to the mound and told the uh, kid he was taking him out of the game. The kid was incensed. And the coach said, well, you know, you're coming out. The kid took off his hat, threw it on the ground, began to undress, took off his jersey, took off his pants, stepped out of his shoes, and basically walked off the mound in his underwear. <laughs> and at the same time, <laughs> cursed, cursed out the coach in the most profane manner. Yeah. But then he comes back the next day, and he wanted to know if he's still on the team. <laughs> I mean, you can't make that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as I said, I, I, um, we've all seen unusual things happen in sports, but, I mean, that kind of stuff, that's just unbelievable. And, and yet that's how, how, you know, these things, uh, you know, happen these days. A kid gets angry and frustrated, and, Cools off the night at that night, goes back and says, oh, I was just angry, but I'm fine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's, let's go to our callers. Let's go with our friend Mike out in East Rockway. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hey, Marsh, Rick. I'm still laughing. Hank, uh, nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you, too. And, Rick, as you know, I, I tune into your show every Sunday. Of course. Um, uh, it, it 
is it is so funny. It goes from Harvard boys to hemorrhoids at halftime. <laughs> and I, I mentioned to you, Rick, a few times, you know, I have a son who just graduated college uh, last year, a good school of state, academic, was a wide receiver. My daughter played sports, fast-pitched softball. I played a little ball back in the day, my brothers, whatever. And you can't make this stuff up. I even mentioned uh, uh, to you a few times, I should write a book on the parents of the ball fields. Yeah. But yeah. This, Hank, is too much. And you talk about a pitcher getting dressed down on the mound. Yeah. <laughs> oh, literally. But it's uh, it's got to be a read. I will turn the page and read it, uh, Hank. But uh, good Thank stuff. You. Thank you. Truth, truth is stranger than fiction. And I'll leave you with this. I used to tell my dad, rest his soul, years ago, when he watched us play, when we were kids and his grandkids, I said, Dad, the faces may change, but the stuff stays the same with some parents yeah, and, yeah. and other things that happen. But really, uh, really, really uh, now I can sip my coffee and, and, and stop uh, laughing for a while and listen to you. <laughs> that, okay, thanks, Mike. Appreciate the Thank call. Thank you, Mike. You know, uh, Hank, uh, I, I have to ask you, because I think that as you look under the microscope of the ongoing uh, concerns or, if you will, friction these days uh, between parents and coaches and obviously the ADs watching all of this stuff. You know, another concern here is that the, I don't think the parents on the sidelines understand the relationship that, that the high school coaches have with the officials, the referees, the umpires who work the games. Uh, it's not adversarial. I mean, the, the, the you know, coaches understand it's a tough job to officiate or to umpire high school games, and I, I, I'd like to get your thoughts about that because I think it'd be very, uh, it'd be very enlightening for parents, sports parents, to hear that. Well, for one thing, uh, it, if the coach is, establishes an adversary relationship with officials, I mean, that, that would, that's a mistake. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's counterproductive. Um, most, most officials will allow coaches to bark a little bit, you know, if they feel they've missed the call. As long as they don't get personal and, um, you know, ab- abusive, you know, you, you can enjoy a good relationship with the officials. Now, there was a time when I was coaching basketball and umpiring baseball, so I had it, you know, from, uh, from both sides. But, it's, a, <laughs> but it's, an, it's important, I think, to know that uh, the officials are out there doing the best job they can, and they're going to make mistakes, just like coaches make mistakes, just like athletes make mistakes. And you can't dwell on it, you know, too much. So parents who get a little bit out of, overzealous and out of control um, are, are not doing the program really uh, any good at all. You know, let let, let the let the, the coach address you know an, an issue with the officials. They don't need well, to hear it from, from the uh, from the parents in the stand or any anybody else in the stand. I mean, there was a time not long ago before instant replay was was put into effect or, or upon further review, which of course only happens at the professional level these days. But you know. Uh, everybody was taught, well, as you just said, that, that uh, sometimes officials, the human umpires, they make a bad call, but that's part of the game. And, and if you are an athlete and you let it uh, affect you uh, in your approach, it's just going to be things are going to spiral out of control. Exactly. You have to expect that things might not go your way, but you move on. And I, I, unfortunately, these days, too many parents on the sidelines, they don't seem to either want to accept that or they feel that they begin to verbally abuse uh, an official or referee that somehow that's going to influence them, you know, in terms of making other calls. And it doesn't work that way. No, that really doesn't. And, really. and, and the coach is the same way. As you said, uh, it's been my experience that, you know, the referees, umps, you know, officials, 
they'll let the coach bark a little bit, but obviously no profanity once you cross that line. And the kids the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, kids don't want to understand, well, why can't I use uh, uh, bad words? Well, if you do that, that's that, that's your ticket out of the yeah. game. Yeah, that's, you're crossing the line. But, I mean, I... I I, my my theory is that it's all, that's sort of the influence, perhaps again, of of kids who are exposed to travel or club teams, where perhaps uh, there's more leeway when it comes to to poor behavior or bad language. But at the high school level, no, you're not going to get aware of that stuff. I mean, well, have you seen that? Yeah, well, you're right. I think you know. I think at the high school level, I think as an athletic director, I think what you want to be able to do is provide not only a, a friendly but a safe environment, not only for the, for the visiting team, the officials as well. Because if there are certain schools, I know there are certain officials, you know, who won't work certain games, you know, at certain schools because they feel have been, uh, you know, verbally abused. They've been followed out to the parking lot to their car. And, uh, I mean, that just is, that just is not, not good for the sport. It's not good for the school. And uh, Yeah, I don't think, I don't think parents know that. That were, it works both ways. Where you say an official will, will come to uh, and say, "No, nah, I'm not going back to work any games there again." I, I, don't, I think that uh, the the crowd is unruly and out of control. Yeah, well, the officials have the same opportunity that the coaches have. The coaches have a, a non-preferred list. I mean, if they have, uh, have had a bad relationship with an official over a, a period of years and they don't want to see them again, they can put them on their non-preferred list, and so they won't see them, and they won't see them in sectional play as well. But the officials have the same prerogative. If they are, if they're unhappy with a particular coach and don't want to work at a certain school because they feel it's not it's a hostile environment, you know they also can say I don't want to work at that school, and um, so it works both ways. <laughs> it's funny. I just I was recalling, uh, and by what we're talking with Hank Roth, uh, and we're taking calls at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six, talking about the plight of athletic directors and coaches these days. You know, it's funny, Hank. I just remember uh, some years ago, uh, I was the head coach uh, at, at Mercy College Baseball, and uh, there was some sort of bang-bang play in the game, late in the game, and uh, it, obviously I was uh, uh, angry and upset because a call had gone against my team, and I was going sort of face-to-face with the home plate umpire and um, trying to watch what I was saying, but at some point I said, you know, I'll make sure – I, I said, I'll make sure you'll never work any of my games ever again. Now, this happened to be during a playoff situation. <laughs> I've done that, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we lost the game, and 24 hours later, we have a new game, and guess what? <laughs> it's the same umpire. <laughs> so, fortunately, he, you know, he understood what I was just angry and upset at the moment, but, um, yeah, so we, we shook hands and we had a smile on my face. We move on. It was fine. But that's, you know, that's, that's to be expected when it happens in the course of the heat of battle. But it's, it's a little different when you get to, to the point of making serious threats or using uh, bad language or whatever. So, <laughs> Just a quick story. I, yeah. I had a, uh, uh, an umpire who I respected greatly and thought he was a, a good official, but he made a bad play on a bang-bang play at the plate, cost me a game and actually the league championship. So I followed him out to the parking lot and <laughs> with a baseball in my hand, and I said, you see this? This is a baseball. The catcher dropped the ball, and you didn't, you didn't see it. So, I, so I, I felt stupid. I drove home. I felt badly. I got on the phone. I called him and, and apologized. He calls me back. You know, About a week later, he said, I just got a new pair of glasses. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my goodness! All right, let, let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Vernon uh, right here in Manhattan. Vernon, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. How are uh, you, Vernon? Good. Okay, I tell you a story. This is a true story. This is me as a kid when I played baseball. This deals with the uh, police athletic league, and as kids, we had summer jobs. 
uh, working for uh, the How You Act. And the thing was, um, was we got paid 40 bucks a week. That was our salary. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, something happened with one of the PL League uh, teams, and they got kicked out. So to balance it off, they needed another team. So they came to us, uh, our department, and it was a little summer job, not doing much. And they said, we need a baseball team uh, to step in. So they came and asked our boss, and we were saying, well, I I love the idea of playing baseball, but some of the kids did not want to play baseball. But they said, you're working for us, you're going to play baseball. So they gave us uh, uniforms, PL League, and uh, we went out for the first day to play baseball. They gave us equipment, everything. So we came out there to play baseball, and our manager was named Mackie. That was his name. So all of a sudden, while we were playing baseball, the shortstop starts walking off the field and during the game. And the umpire said, time, my time, what's going on? And the kid said, well, i got to go bathroom. I ain't got time to stand out here. <laughs> so they said, Vernon, go up there and play shortstop. I said, I don't know how to play shortstop. Go up there and play shortstop. And so there was a hit in one of the, um, on the other team. Yeah. And the guy was running from third to home. So the kid did not know what to do to, with the baseball who caught it a ground ball. So Mackey said, the runner, the runner. He's going to start trying for the baseball at home plate to, to get the eye out. Kid looking, so what, what? The runner, hit the runner. He threw the baseball, hit the runner in the head. <laughs> and guess what? That one game? We got kicked out. The whole team played one baseball game, got paid money, and got kicked out. You can't believe this story, but these things are true. Not oh, hey, Vernon. You guys I, have a nice day. <laughs> Thank you for that. And that's exactly what we're talking about. You can't make these things up, Hank. You know, I know. Uh, and, you know, the book, of course, is full of these unbelievable stories uh, that people are going to read and say, i got to read that again. That's just unbelievable. So, yeah. I mean, anyhow, look, we're, we're talking uh, this morning with uh, Hank Roth. Uh, we're talking about his new book, Hemorrhoids at Halftime, an insider's view of high school athletics. Uh, we, we've got to take a pause here. When I come back, I'm going to talk to you, Hank, about uh, the role of booster clubs in high school, talk also about uh, this new uh, development with legalized gambling, and, of course, we'll take your calls and comments at one 337 And, uh, of course, speaking of Aaron Boone and the Yankees, don't forget at 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be here, and he'll be talking baseball with you. Uh, and as always, I ask you to check out my website and my blog at AskCoachWolf.com. In fact, I want to add that now is the time uh, to start booking me for uh, for speaking events at your school or your sports group uh, this coming fall. And especially if you want me to come and, and talk about uh, sports psychology and athletes uh, and, of course, my new book, uh, all you have to do is just go to AskCoachWolf.com and drop me a line. My guest this morning is Hank Roth, one of the most successful high school coaches and ADs in New York State history. We're talking about his very entertaining and insightful book, Hemorrhoids at Halftime, and, of course, taking a calls at one 337 6666 Hank, I mentioned before uh, for the update, I, I, um, I want to talk for a second about booster clubs, which is something you talk about in your book. You know, booster clubs have been around for a long time. Obviously, they are 
parental organizations that are not, and I guess it's the best way to say this, they're not affiliated per se with the school. They're there to, to basically provide support, uh, maybe uh, you know, uh, provide some financial aid for, for, the, for programs uh, at the varsity level. But if you would, there, there's sort of a, I've heard from, from coaches and ADs that sometimes there's a love-hate affair uh, with, with booster clubs. Well, I guess it can be. I, I had the good fortune in both schools, both at, uh, at Woodlands High School and at Ardsley, to actually starting the boosters program. And uh, when I got to Ardsley, for example, um, I talked to every head coach, and I said, uh, give me the name of a parent. Very supportive, pleasant, easy to work with, because I had a particular um, philosophy in mind in terms of uh, what the mission statement should be you know, for, the, uh, you know, for the club. Uh-huh. Uh, I think boosters clubs can pr- provide a valuable support for the athletic program, um, but I think you have to be careful. Um, for example, I felt that um, it should be all-inclusive. In other words, the booster club is not just for football or basketball. It's for all, all the teams, and everybody should feel that they're, they're part of the action. Uh-huh. So, for example, uh, homecoming weekend, you have a football game. But we also have a boys' soccer game, girls' soccer game, volleyball game, swim meet, tennis match. In, in, in the winter, uh, the Booster Club um, sponsors a wrestling tournament and, and boys' and girls' basketball tournament, and in the spring, baseball, softball, and, and lacrosse tournaments. So, um, and any monies raised, I also didn't want that. I didn't want people to feel that we're in the business of raising money to purchase equipment and supplies, you know, for the athletic program, because I always felt that the uh, athletic budget was sufficient to accommodate the needs of all the teams. So mm-hmm. any fundraising efforts went for special projects, um, you know, for, for example, a, a, a sports banquet at a nice restaurant at the end of the year, the, uh, the, the Wall of Fame, and money made available to coaches who wanted to apply for a stipend, if they were going to run a clinic and they wanted to bring in a, a clinician or a guest speaker, it, it went for that. So I've been very happy with, um, you know, in both of those schools, you know, how how the Boosters Club was established, and uh, I think it worked very well. I did hear, on the other hand, of a, an athletic director who was hired in, at the night of a board meeting, and when he went out to his car, he was met by parents who told him which coaches needed to be fired (laughs) (laughs) and to his credit he said i'm not doing that he said i just got here i don't know any of these people he says and if the focus of the boosters club is to you know to uh to evaluate coaches he says i don't want any part of it yeah Uh, that's and of course that's what i hear all the time that uh, the booster club unfortunately some of the booster clubs sort of take it upon uh, as their role is to become to dictate to the AD, okay, here's what we want you to do. Yeah, no. and that that obviously crosses the line. But the way you just outlined it, and the fact it was curious that you you basically had had started it at, at Ardsley High School, the Brewster Club. That that's interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, Hank, my time, of course, I'm looking at the clock here. I, I do uh, want to really quickly get your thoughts about the ad, the impact on legalized gambling, particularly on, on the high school athlete. W- what are your thoughts? Well, for, I, I would say this, that uh, every, every school district, I'm sure, has and the athletic director with the uh, participation of the administration has established a, uh, a code of behavior yep. um, where, you, where the athlete has to sign off on it, the parent has to sign off on it, and, it, and it's, it's a list of do's and don'ts. And in the beginning, it was a more for uh, the, the uh, 
penalties for infractions with regard to smoking, drinking, and drugs. Then, mm-hmm. then, then, then hazing became an issue. So that was added, you know, to the. Then was important enhancing drugs, and that was added to it. So I hate to think that uh, gambling now would be something that coaches are going to have to address with their with, with their athletes. Does it go on? I have a feeling it probably does, especially in in certain communities where there's a uh, an intense rivalry between two schools. But I certainly hate to think that any adult is going to approach a high school kid and offer offer them you know money to shave well, points or do something like that. Yeah, and I I, I agree with you. I think that's and once again it's so difficult for 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 parents and coaches these days to to interact in the world of sports, uh, but as you mentioned, so, so many high schools have codes of conduct, and, and this is going to be another item to add to that uh, agenda where coaches are going to have to say, look, to the kids, let me explain about the, 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 the downfalls and potential evils of gambling. Um, the fact is most kids today have no idea about the early 1950s mm-hmm. and the point-shaving scandals in college basketball here in the city. They don't know about Boston College in the early 70s with point-shaving, uh, and, and unfortunately, um, they're going to ask the same questions all naive kids ask is, well, what's, 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 the, what's the problem? If we win by seven points or win by three points, as long as we win, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. I, I just – this is one, another, another um, obligation, if you will, another responsibility that's going to fall upon the shoulders of the, of the coaches to educate these kids about the concerns with gambling. Right. And right. I, I just think it's, it's something that um, – it's going to have to be addressed. I know this is everybody's trying to think through how this is going to work, and of course, people say, "Well, gambling happens no matter what." Yeah, but I don't think people have thought through yet how this is going to affect or influence kids coming up to the system, mm-hmm. who are going to say, "Well, what's the difference if it's legalized? Uh, then I should be able to do this and not have to pay any any penalty or any consequences." Well, there should be absolutely no tolerance, uh, you know, penalty, you know, for uh, anything like that. Uh, I, what a high school kid is, is approached, and they need to immediately, if that ever happens, they need immediately need to bring it to the attention of, of the coach and uh, put a stop to it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's something that is really is of a concern. Uh, and again, I know this is all going to have to um, sort of be uh, settled out in, in, the, in the, the years to come uh, as this new legislation by, or, or this ruling by the Supreme Court uh, has, has, is, is thought through by, by educators and administrators. Uh, it is a concern, and I think something to be, to be aware of. Um, all right, uh, Hank, uh, let me just remind my, 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 my friends and listening audience, uh, your book is a delightful read. It's got the unforgettable title of Hemorrhoids at Halftime, an insider's view of high school athletics. It is a terrific read, and I guess it's not only uh, humorous and entertaining, but as I mentioned, it deals with the serious aspects of how athletics uh, in high school have changed over the years, and Hank, uh, I just want to thank you again for for uh, for being on my show this morning and taking time to to share your thoughts and stories with us. Well, thank you, Rick. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you, Hank. Okay, that's uh, our friend Hank Roth talking about his new book. Let me take a time out. I'll have more. Stay with me. Let me see if I can squeeze in one more call. Let me go to Steve in, uh, in Manhattan. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. All right, Rick. You want me to throw it to the 2020? <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, Steve. What do you got? Right. The, the thing with you know high school sports, we know it's a, mix, a mixed bag all around the country. Yes. It goes from neighborhood to neighborhood. But New York City, I noticed, I mean, it's more of a trend towards soccer. The kids all want to be basketball stars. Even football and baseball sort of linger on the sidelines. 
as we, you know, we move deeper into the 21st century. It's just a, it's a, a neighborhood thing if you look at it closely. Well, you know, there was a time, uh, you mentioned about basketball, and of course, uh, back in the day, basketball uh, was a, the New York City game, and, and uh, of course, basketball's popularity has spread all over the country, but clearly it is it all starts uh, with local community and grassroots situations, and, uh, you know, it is a big country and a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of communities, and everybody, every area seems to find its own way when it comes to sports. Um, you know, soccer has become very popular, but of course, soccer still really hasn't cracked uh, the top four yet, but again, if you talk to kids in their their teens and twenties, I'll tell you soccer is uh, is more exciting than other sports. It really depends, you know, where you live and where you grow up, and that's that's how you know sports are. It, it's really a function of the kids. Uh, and Steve, thanks for the call. It, it's really a function of the kids and what they enjoy playing the most, and and it does change, it does evolve, it does, um, you know, basically go through its own sort of growth cycle, no matter where you are. Uh, you know, it's funny, I, I um. I was thinking about the, my conversation this morning with Hank Roth and, and uh, you know, how, how the things have changed in terms of the parental relationship uh, with high school coaches. Uh, and, you know, for years and years and years, uh, there was more of a sense of just uh, respect and of um, a commonality. But now, as you know, too many parents are getting so involved. I was just reading uh, the other day about uh, a high school coach uh, upstate um, who felt that uh, the the parents in his in his town his community have, have, I guess were trying to get the school board to fire the coach uh, and they wrote some rather nasty letters to the school board which said okay well we'll cave in and we'll fire this coach well the coach fought back and and sued those parents for defamation I just read where he he won fifty thousand uh, dollars fighting back against the parents who wrote some nasty things about uh, verbal abuse and an alcohol problem, which were not true. And, of course, um, maybe this is the start of a new wave of what's going to happen with high school sports, fighting back against uh, parents who do meddle and interfere and, and intervene. And, and um, you know, that's that's troubling as well. It's just a different time, a different age uh, when it comes to high school sports in this country. And as, as Hank and I were saying early on, uh, you know, it, it's uh, like the booster clubs. You know, the, the booster clubs were, were, were supposed to be there to help enhance and and uh, take basically be there to help add any way they can uh, to keep the high school sports programs uh, thriving and and doing well in a sense of appreciation. But they're not there to basically influence the athletic director or school board as to which coaches should be let go or dismissed. That that's that's going off the deep end. So in effect, what we're seeing here is a transitional period uh, in, in high school sports, and and it's hard to get a sense of how this is going to play out. Particularly because of the advent of club sports and teams and travel teams and what what kind of effect they're having on on uh, the kids today, it's 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 uh, concerning, it's troubling, and yet I, I don't know if we come to a resolution yet of what's going to happen down the road. Okay, uh, that's going to do it for me and this end of the Sports Edge this morning. Uh, my thanks to Connor Green. Please stick around to, for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.